Hello, welcome to Blueprint um, Podcast. This is for Wednesday. Get into the final furlong of the uh, of the festival now. Um, as you can hear in the background, we are in a restaurant. We're out for a, a nice meal out. We like to um, change the location to make it more exciting because we, we can't provide that. Um, so let's talk about what what we're going to do. Like I said, we've got a full team now. Now we've got um, as me, the demo is um, normal. Hello, demo. Okay, yeah, good, good. Um, James is with us again. Hello. And um, Laura has joined us. She didn't get to see any films um, Tuesday, but we all got to see a good few films on Wednesday. But you know, we'll try and be quick and economic with this all of us an appropriate choice of words of economic for the first film that we're going to review is uh, yeah. yeah we have a few films actually in the festival um, yeah um, so yeah go for it Damo we all went to see Killing Them Softly Andrew Dominic's latest one Brad Pitt star uh, you know straight in what do you reckon um, I thought it was good I thought it was um, it was good but not great um, it's kind of previous work uh, Chopper and the Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford um, in particular was, was great um, this had the kind of same look of the great cinematography as the assassination of Jesse James um, and it was kind of very stylish it was very violent it was kind of nicely done but it just didn't quite fully work I think part mainly is because of the, the kind of heavy handed nature of the meta, kind of metaphor that you kind of kept playing about the economic um, woes of the world. Um, I also kind of felt that the, the kind of literal story didn't, it wasn't quite as interesting as it might have been, given that it's kind of these um, petty thieves who kind of steal, steal a load of money and it's kind of hit men and gangsters and all this kind of thing. It didn't ever feel, it didn't ever kind of feel it was a great deal at stake, it wasn't a great deal of danger. It, even when the kind of, um, even when the kind of, um, stole the money right at the beginning I didn't ever feel there was a great deal of tension it wasn't kind of ratcheted up as much as as much as I kind of expected um, having said that I did like it um, it did have a, kind of like a, a strong narrative driving it forward which has kind of somewhat been lacking throughout the other films in competition so that was kind of quite nice um, it had great performances um, from Brad Pitt in particular he's always great um, and I like I like Ben Mendelsohn as well, and um, Scoot McNary as a kind of two petty criminals. Um, it had some striking visuals from the very outset. With um, we saw this kind of very derelict, rundown. It could be any any kind of U.S. city um, that's kind of had financial woes from Detroit to God knows wherever. Um, but I just felt that the the kind of heavy-handedness of the of the kind of economic constantly wherever they are in bars and hotel rooms there's, there's a kind of election 2008 between um, uh, between Barack Obama and, um, and Bush constantly talking about um, the kind of uh, economic meltdown from 2008 it just kind of felt a bit heavy handed I think kind of if it's done subtly it'd have been, it'd have been great um, the very the kind of denouement of the film is just, it's very very cool ending um, I won't give anything away but but um, Brad Pitt delivers this great kind of speech at the end of the film and it kind of cuts to the end credits and it's bang on the nose, exactly what it is. And I think it's fine if it's bang on the nose or if it's subtle, great. It's just the heavy-handedness of this kind of overplay in the, the kind of economic element. Um, but having said that, especially in retrospect as well, looking at kind of the other films in competition, um, I actually liked it and it was good. Yeah, I mean, I'll be pretty quick because I ain't got too much more to say. I mean, I mean, yeah, the thing that did ruin it for me was that, like you say, that really very simplistic. That's what was disappointing about it. It was so basic in terms of what it was doing. Like, and it did it. It was littered throughout, and it even like towards the end, it, was, it even got to the stage where Brad Pitt's character was then 
relating to so he was even included was in, it, it, rather than just being in the background it was actually it being incorporated into the scenes and it was just like it was just it just felt so insulting almost it was so basic and like you said before I mean the ending that, that, that ending I think everyone agrees is probably the best bit of any film in uh, the festival and it's the only bit for me that the film really nailed and that said everything that's upset. We didn't need. We know. We know what position we're in. We know what situation we're in. And you know what? Maybe in 20 years' time, people will watch this film and it'll need. You know what I mean? Actually, maybe in retrospect, it may end up working because it's being framed in the right way. In the same way, if you think of. Um, well, I can't fucking think of anything at the minute. But, <laughs> but there are films when it's, it's backdropped. Okay, so tell you what, even Benjamin Button. Although I don't think it worked in that, but you know, if there's like news reports of the hurricane coming and stuff like that, and it's being framed, you know, as a very simple metaphor, things are going shit, you know, things are, you know, and it's, and but I, don't, I don't think it worked there, but maybe in, you know, in, in the future it may actually work because obviously 20 years time they're not going to remember what was going on, but it felt absolutely painful, and, and again, pretty much identical, but I think you clearly liked it more than I did. Was that the, the, the story wasn't strong enough? It's as simple as that. The, I, there was, the, there was a few, literally three action scenes in the whole lot. I'm not like somebody who craves violence or action. There were three, admittedly, excellently executed action scenes. But it just, I don't know, it just, it just like you say, it was, there wasn't enough there. It wasn't quite dramatic enough. It just seemed to sort of, not plod along is a bit harsh, but it just it just happened. It just beat, this is what we're going to do. We're going to rob this place. They did it. We're going to do this. They did it. It, it just seemed to move along. And it didn't, I, didn't, I never felt excited by it. What did you think of the balance? A few people kind of thought it was excessive. How did you feel that it kind of dealt with that, especially within the, the sound design and the cinematography? Um, I don't think it was excessive at all. Basically, the action scenes, you know, not to be too spoilerish, there's one fighting scene and there's two gun scenes. Um, the gun scenes are fantastic, stylistically, absolutely fantastic. Um, not violent in any way, shape, or form. I, I never, I really never found that. The, 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 the beating scene, is it excessive? Possibly. This, I do think the sound design ruins it because it is so heightened that it, I, for me, I was really jarred by it. Really that jarred. Kind of, kind of works with the cinematography as well because the cinematography is heightened during those moments. Obviously, there's lots of slow mo. You kind of see the kind of drops of rainfall in, in, in glorious kind of detail. Do you think the kind of the, the, the punching, crunching noises kind of added to that heightened sense of? Um, awareness obviously it's not kind of not realistic it's anti-realist no I don't in all honesty I just, I just don't, it didn't work for me the sound didn't work and that scene it constantly jacked, pulled me out of the scene in the other scenes it, it, it really worked um, but um, in that, yeah, it, it really didn't work for me um, our starters and shots of vodkas arriving um, but actually for the violence I think what's interesting is that you know Laura I'd be interested in your take on this because obviously you in all honesty you hate violence and uh, you know so what's your kind of stance on the film and I suppose you know with Damo's question in terms of the violence you know me oh, you know I didn't think it was excessive I could see why maybe somebody would but you know what are your thoughts on that I can't give any because I didn't watch the violent scenes Okay. Sound, well, yeah. I mean, the sound was the sound was awful. I thought the sound was over the top because I could hear it, but I, I always just hide my head in balancing. So I can't. Probably, I can't give you any opinion on that. Oh, glad we but clarified that. That, that meant that I only watched about thirty percent of the film because yeah. I felt like there was a lot of violence there, in there. There, there really wasn't. I think maybe there's a, a, a threat of violence, maybe, but I, I don't know if I'm on my own on this. But I the felt only, the only thing I enjoyed about the film was Brad Pitt's performance. Really? Oh, okay. Pretty damning. I mean, Brad Pitt was amazing actually in his film. 
very Brad Pitt. He has his same rhythms in his language, and he has it. But it really worked, and he, he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, but what in terms of the violence? What, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I felt as if it was very minimal, but it was when it was there, it was very striking and very powerful, but very minimal. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was overly violent. So obviously, the, the beating scene is kind of goes on and it's kind of in quite a lot of detail. Um, and it's fine. I thought, I think in particular, not that scene. I had a bit of a problem with the, um, uh, the, the kind of shooting, the first shooting scene. Not in the fact that it was violent. It just felt to me a bit, a bit. It was obviously very sty- stylistically well done. It's kind of slow motion and amazingly filmed. But it just felt a bit out of place. It was almost like a kind of a beautiful music video within the, within this kind of very talky film. A lot of it there isn't very much violence in it at all. It's the threat of violence. Most of it is very dialogue heavy. Um, people having conversations in the kind of backs of laundrettes or in, in hotel rooms, in in in, in bars, in hotels. Um, or in exterior locations as well, and it's a very talky film. The, the, the violence there's not that much violence apart from the beating scene. Um, I just felt that the, the kind of the the action scenes, as it were, were kind of it was very stylish, but it kind of felt a little bit done for the sake of effects. Um, but I didn't have a problem with the amount of violence that was in it at all. What about you, James? I, I think it's interesting. I think uh, like <clears throat> the there are two scenes in particular that I, that, I, that I want to talk about. Um, one of them, one of them is um, a scene in which a couple of street thugs uh, go and beat up the wrong guy. Who they go and beat up Ray Liotta, who's basically a patsy. He's a wrong guy, and um, the scene is shot with. It's quite brutal. You know, the camera fixates on each punch. Um, you get to see blood spilling out everywhere. It's and it's and it's kind of shot with this kind of hyper realistic. Um, High frame rate, steady um, handheld camera, and it's it, it's graphic. It's very, it's the one moment of true brutality in the film when a couple of thugs beat the shit out of someone, basically. And then if you contrast that with the stylistic stylistic decisions the director takes for the Brad Pitt character when he shoots another person in the film, shoots another person in the film, he shoots it in complete opposite. He shoots it as though it's an, is a, as a ballet performance. It's, it's in slow motion. It's beautiful. The violence is almost operatic. The bullets are flying in extreme slow motion. There's wonderful poetic music at the same time. And I don't know what the intention is behind it. I'm starting to form the opinion that perhaps... The director's showing the difference between he, 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 the Brad Pitt character is essentially the narrator of the film. He he is echoing the director's opinion about the current state of affairs in America. That actually the reality of the situation is there is no such thing as national identity anymore. We're involved in a business. Everything's a transaction, and in order to be a success. You have to be ice cold and just do your job and not care about it and not bring your emotions. And consequently, he glamorizes that moment. He says, this is the way it should be done. On the other hand, he shows, he contrasts it with an act of sheer brutality with virtually no rhyme or reason behind it. A bunch of mobsters who were, who were basically beating someone up as a matter of their own personal pride almost. And he shows it for what it is, ugly and horrible. So, I mean, it, you know, okay, great. But what, what, as a whole, let's wrap this up. Killing them softly. What, you know, what do you think? Well, I, I thought it was brilliant. I, I thought I thought it was absolutely brilliant. 
Um, although I do echo the sentiment that the, the core narrative was somewhat flimsy. It was shot, it was filmed, it was paced like one of these epic crime dramas like Goodfellas or something, you know, where you've normally got an ensemble cast of hundreds of people. And it had that, it wanted to be like that. It wanted to be held in the same regard as Goodfellas or something like that. But ultimately, the story underpinning it was a bit too threadbare. But aside from that, it was great cinema, it was great music, it was great performance, and it was thrilling entertainment. And I think all that combined for me is one of the standouts of the, the festival. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll wrap up at the end of the festival. And, but I think it's, yeah, we're all pretty disappointed by the festival, in all honesty. But. Um, so that's you know between the four of us we literally go from hating it to being very disappointed by it but I think it's pretty good to amazing so uh, we've got a good uh, group among us I think Um, so then what happened there we all split up James then went back to the flat and did dirty things Um, (laughs) Um, Damon went to watch some classic films why you want to come to a festival that's showing hundreds upon hundreds of new material and then go sit in a dark room Sat next to Alexander Payne, may I add, and um, watch some classics, a demo. Because they're not new films, people may have seen these. I mean, maybe, you know, we haven't seen you know, Just give us uh, the, your, your two, these two films. What, what, you know, what were they? What did you think? Yeah, I'll be pretty brief, because obviously they're the kind of classics that have come out in the past. Um, but basically, there wasn't a lot kind of on that fancy that afternoon, and I thought it'd be quite nice to, um, to break it up and, um, and watch a couple of classics. The first one was um, an Agnes Varda film, and she was there in the screening. Uh, Clio 5 to 7, um, a classic of the French New Wave, and it was basically a classic of the French New Wave. It was a film that only could have been made in France in the 60s. Um, like everything you expect and, and more, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or less, depending oh, on, how you, yeah. on how you view it. Um, it's kind of interesting that he's uh, obviously many, most of the, uh, all apart from Andrew Vader of the French New Wave, are, are male directors, so it's quite interesting to see a female point of view with a female protagonist. But what's interesting is that it sounds like it wasn't that different. Is that? Yeah, it, I mean, it could have been. It could have been. It could have been a male protagonist. It was. It was just very, very that kind of that Gallic shrug kind of thing. Not. It didn't add up to very much at all. Um, it was basically about um, Cleo, who is set set in notionally in kind of real time between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. Although strangely, the film seems to end at 6:30. It doesn't actually go on for the full uh, two hours, which is quite glad about. What time actually. was the screening? The film was started at five and ran yeah, 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 so it's quite nice. Um, and it basically um, split, split up into, into kind of chapters, kind of arbitrary chapters in a way really, kind of between the sometimes last four minutes or sometimes last a whole 15 minutes. Um, as she basically, we learn that she has a illness that she's very notionally worried about um, and she kind of progresses through the course of the film. She's worried, we learn it from the outset, she hasn't got the results of a test. She's waiting for... She's going to receive at 7pm. Um, at 5pm, she's having a um, tarot card reading where she learns from the uh, woman who does the cards that she's basically going to die. So she kind of goes through this. She, she kind of... She dances. She, she swans around. and Very little consequence happens, actually. She's, we learn that she's a singer. She does a bit of singing in an, in an apartment with her... Um, the guy who writes her music and the guy who writes her lyrics, she has a bit of an argument. She goes to visit her friends who poses nude for, for people to, to, um, to sculpt uh, statues of. She meets a, a, a soldier um, who's fighting in the Algerian war, who happens to be back in, in Paris for, the, for a period of leave, and they kind of fall in love in that very kind of French way. 
It doesn't add up. What, what's that French way? Then? Well, they basically just meet, chat, and then fall in love. No, 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 there's no, there's none of that kind of thing in it. But um, yeah, it's to be honest, I was really disappointed by it. It's just very inconsequential. It's not kind of it hasn't got hasn't got the kind of emotional gravitas of something like the 400 Blows, or it's just it's just very a minor a minor work. But um, I'm glad I saw it nevertheless. Was the second classic better? Second classic was from Roberto Rossellini. Um, basically, they're going through and kind of restoring um, his old work. Last year, they had the machine that kills bad people, um, which I saw at the London Film Festival last year, um, which was a much superior work. I thought it's kind of it's very very funny, very it's kind of whimsical, but also had a had a, had a, um, a message kind of not not kind of ramming it down your throat, but it had a message of the kind of dangers of fascism, which is obviously very kind of a subject close to the Italian's heart whereas this it was it was in the English language it said um, Ingrid Bergman and um, George Sanders as a couple an English couple who had gone to Naples in order to sell a house that they'd inherited from uh, the, the girl's dead uh, uncle and they're very, a very English kind of buttoned down couple and the, the idea that I think that was, the director was trying to do was show how the kind of very buttoned down English uh, kind of middle class mentality is is drawn out through the kind of vibrancy of Italian life, the Italian landscape. The kind of we see Naples, we see Mount Vesuvius, we kind of hear about the decadence of Pompeii and the kind of orgies that went on there, and how their relationship is has disintegrated through a lack of communication. There doesn't seem to be a lot of love between this couple. Um, and he goes off, he leaves her at home, she plays solitaire, he tries to um, start an affair essentially with a, a, a kind of a woman that is known from his past, uh, kind of fails. Um, and during the course of the film, to be honest, it doesn't seem like there's any love between this couple whatsoever. You would say that their marriage is doomed to failure. There's kind of little moments when one or the other holds out an olive branch, but you would say that this is a, a marriage doomed to failure. You know, without wanting to give the ending away, there is a there is a well, there is a classic Hollywood happy ending, which just comes completely out of the blue because up until that point, it's complete. You know, no love between them. I mean, it's disappointing all in all because it is just—it's almost like a kind of a, you know, it's obviously a film from uh, from the past, probably before many people, you know, post-war film where a lot of people hadn't done a lot of travelling. It's almost like a bit of a travel log. We kind of get to see a volcano. We kind of see. All, we learn about all these things, which might be quite exciting for, for you know for people back in England in, yeah, in, never in the fifties and sixties who have never travelled. But for now, it's just kind of, yeah. Well, like have you it. seen a volcano in real life every day, man? I've never seen a volcano in real life, actually, but still, nevertheless, I was uh, I I still fine. Uh, yeah, uh, we've we been. Where am I seeing that? So we're just enjoying a lovely, lovely start. Should we give a pump to the rest of them? What's the name of the rest of them? Yeah, what's the name of the rest of them? Yeah, Every time we always yeah. you know what? A nice, nice got that same uh, brilliant five course. <laughs> you know what, Dave, like Damo, like that to me, it sounds like, and I know this is a bit out there, but it sounds to me like that film sounds identical, identical to this year's Jennifer Aniston comedy Wanderlust. Have you I'm seen not, that? I've not, not had the pleasure of seeing that, but that's. <laughs> 
about as damning. Okay, I haven't seen Wonderlust. I saw the trailer. I don't think it sounds anything like it. What I saw of that trailer. Have you seen it? I've seen Wonderlust. Jennifer Aniston and uh, Paul Rudd. I think it is. Basically, they're a couple of New Yorkers. They've got a stressful life. They go on holiday and they go off a beaten track and they end up with a commune of hippies. They were the commune hippies and suddenly they are presented a whole new way of life in a whole new different environment they're not used to and they realise that ultimately they're two different people and their relationship is doomed to failure because they both want different things. So, so what is identical about that? Do they go to a volcano? <laughs> no. Can I just point out from the trailer? Wonderlust is utterly farcical. Like, I think the most yeah, ridiculous... Yeah, it's true isn't it? The most ridiculous trailer I've seen. All I want to say is that, you know, take, take, get them out on DVD. I'm sure there'll be a Blu-ray uh, released of uh, Journey to Italy, uh, Journey in Italy very soon. And, uh, yeah, there's a great double bill. What it's, it's other podcasts great, will recommend that double bill? So. Mate, it's a great... It's a Journey great, to Italy and Wonderlust. There great, you go. Great, great companion piece. Get them out. So... <laughs> Moving forward, after that, we all... Well, actually, no, you went to see another film uh, while I was enjoying that, and James was enjoying the carnal pleasures to himself uh, in the flat. What did you What did you enjoy? Well, we, um, me and Laura went to see a French film called Our Children. Um, Laura, you know, just give, give us a brief overview of what it was about, and what did you think? <clears throat> okay, so um, it, the op- it opens with... Um, the, the mother who uh, who is clear her four children have have died, um, and she uh, and she's sort of insisting that they be buried in Morocco and, and various, she's in hospital or whatever, and then um, and then basically it backtracks and we learn sort of her her backstory. So basically from when she sort of fell in love with this guy who she then married and she then had four children with. Um, and it's it's kind of very much about her relationship with this man, but then also with his with his family. And it's a very straight like there's very strange relationships going on. Uh, so the guy that she marries is Moroccan. She's French, and he's been, from all intents and purposes, looked after by a, a, a French guy for for what it seems like his life. Um, and his mother is still in Morocco. I don't think we ever learn anything about his father, do we? There's nothing in there about his father. Um, and he's got a sister and a brother, and it's basically um, his sister. We find out his sister wanted to get married to a French person for papers, and we later find out that his brother wants to do the same thing. And so there's that there. He's like I say, he's always been looked after by this French guy. There's weird undertones of some sort of weird relationship going on with him and this this older French guy. Um, nothing ever comes to to the surface, but there's just some sort of weird undertones. And yeah, and then it just follows their relationship. It does move forward pretty quickly. Like she, they meet, they fall in love, they have a child. Then there's another child, and the, the, the years just move on and on and on. So what becomes difficult becomes really really difficult to engage with the character because you don't really because you're not really ever really finding out a huge amount about their life what tends to really happen is just like something like it's two years in the future then two years in the future and it just keeps that just keeps happening um, I don't know if I should give away the ending should we really sort of because don't give away the ending I mean I doubt it'll get much of a release but basically but basically um, what what so it sort of just moves forward and then obviously you're always waiting for to find out how her four, four children die um, and um, and of course like that sort of that is revealed at the end and it, I think probably about three quarters of the way through it becomes obvious what's going to happen but um, I think what you said Darren like the, it's it's undeserved what the end the end they give you they haven't earned it 
I think, and that I think that was a really good description of it. Um, you, but, you shouldn't have. You should have just said it. You could yeah. have taken that and you were too right. Well, like. But I, what did I, you think? I mean, also, what did you think to it? I thought um, there were mo- there were there were some really great moments in it, but generally it was it was pretty poor, and and I didn't I didn't believe it. The issue, I mean, one of the, the one of the big things about it was how how this how it sort of tried to I think what it was trying to do was trying to say how controlling these two men were for this woman and so she starts off she's really happy it's really lovely they have a nice relationship but then suddenly out of nowhere and it does seem to come out of nowhere suddenly her her partner goes from being really really lovely and loving towards it to just nasty and it just seems to happen and it's no, there's no build-up. And I think, again, this is part of this sort of just moving forwards in years and years and years and just not really giving you any build-up to anything and any relationships. Um, and then there's obviously... So it's not... But then it's not only this character that is controlling, but then the older character, the French guy, who's looking after... Who's always looked after her husband, um, is about sort of... He, he is more subtly at first but then becomes more obvious that he's quite controlling as well and basically it just sort of shows how she becomes more and more depressed by this control um, and I think I think that premise could have really worked really nicely but I just think like it could have really worked well but it just it didn't it didn't execute it at, well at all because just because of this keep moving forward too quickly and you just never really got any depth but can I, can I, pro- can I propose can I propose an abstract theory I've been really, really, really listening to what you've been saying, and I might be talking utter, utter garbage here. No, not you. But it, it's, it seems to me possible that what they... That, that this is a film about... Is it a French person, basically, at first being looking after and paternal and caring for a Moroccan person who's weak and fragile, and then... Over the years, suddenly the French person begins to resent the Moroccan, or the Moroccan person no, 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 doesn't no, feel no, no, happy, and then suddenly no, they lose no, it. And no, I, no, I wondered no. if it's basically a parable about how Fra- France is treating its no, Moroccan people. Like, is, is this a political no, message? Because, no, because race, race no, 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 is not. It's more, no. about, like, in, it's more than that, it would be about intercultural relationships. But I know, I don't think it is. I think it's just about relationships. Me, it's just about relationships and particularly about how um, an essence of control, like how if someone's feeling, if someone is being controlled and very slowly and subtly being put down day after day after day after day, how that could affect them and how they fall apart and eats away at someone. Yeah, and that premise could work really, really well. Absolutely, it would have been fantastic. However, it just wasn't executed well. And I think the main issue for me, I don't know whether you agree this time, but is because it just tried to jump forward too much. It was too much of a span, whereas instead of, like... Oh, well, maybe not, no, because he probably could have still managed it if they'd have, it just didn't work. I didn't believe it, because it, it jumped. Everything just jumped too quickly, and so I didn't believe it, and I didn't get an essence of what was going on in the relationship. And suddenly, it was there. So it just... And there were some really ridiculous moments in it. Some amazing moments. Some so there were some moments between her and the older character, like the, the, the female and then the older character is like, the Guardian or whatever. Yeah. Hey, some, I thought some moments between him and her that were just brilliant. Re- you know, the tension between them would have been perfect had I believed the story and believed the characters. However, because I didn't, it, it didn't quite. Work. You just say just strange. It just sounded like it was a parable of of, 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 the, of the French and the North African experience. You've got, you've, there is this, it isn't because what happened? I mean, ultimately, the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the kind of Moroccan doesn't 
it's the Mor- Mor- Moroccan characters who get stronger and more oh, violent. Right, okay. But I tell you what, there is a point in there. There is a because the maternal figure, the the, the paternal figure, sorry, is um, he. He adopted the Moroccan boy, yeah. who is the husband, as a kid, you kind of, sort of realise. And there is a subtext of a gay relationship between the two of them. He is definitely controlling of the whole family. He lives with them, and he sort of makes them, and they want to get their own house, and he just won't let them, because he controls them. And he controls this Moroccan man, and then the man, because the woman wants to get away, the French woman, and the Moroccan man is then sort of controlled by this... Yeah. Big so in a way, there's a sense of that, but it, it doesn't play a big part. It is purely. But quite it's too obtuse. I mean, even if it was there, they don't don't really deal with it. But yeah. it's just quite an interesting story. It adds to the story of this kind of Moroccan family because he's got a brother who then goes with their sister. It's, it is it's an interesting dynamic. There's a. I mean, to go on. I mean, there was one thing that really f- fucking fucked with my brain. Do you know the two main characters are in it? The man and the Moroccan boy. It's the two characters from Unprofet. And they play a similar. They've got quite a father-son relationship. These are so it's, it, for the first half an hour, it's a bit like they're going to start stabbing each other in a minute. Someone's going to, you know, it was just weird because it's the same two characters, and he looks a little bit like Raphael Nadal, and I don't like him. He does. <laughs> so I was a little bit freaked out. Um, yeah, in, but in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, the, the problem is it's almost like a biopic um, in, in that regard. Where the problem I have with biopics is that you, you see a person's lo- life. And you don't really get, you can't get like engaged with it because you, you, you're just seeing key moments, but you don't get any context behind it or with it or anything like that. You're just seeing these scenes which happen, like you say, like a couple of years apart or whatever, but you can't get. It's not that they're not believable, but what it is, you miss out the, the build up, you miss out any of the texture, and you just go to these moments. And she, so the, her, dep- her descent into depression feels weird because you're seeing these bullet points of depression rather than the journey of depression because it is skipping so f- and she, they never age you go over years and it sounds like yeah I mean, exactly yeah. it sounds it sounds emblematic of, al- of almost the whole can experience this year we've got you know a, 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 basically a, a kind of no, deacon <laughs> <laughs> You're an older, wiser person. It sounds like it's one of these films that's, you know, that they are a lot of random things that suddenly happen, and that the the filmmaker hasn't actually earned it, hasn't earned it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Laura touched on it, but um, it builds up to this very, in theory, dramatic ending. In all honesty, she said that she didn't want to spoil it. I think you'd have to be a complete div to not realise what happens at the end. And no, it doesn't. You you kind of know it's coming, but you are like. No, no, I'm sorry. You've not. It, this hasn't. You've not. We've not got. We've not gone on this journey. It, this is just the ending. But um. But so ultimately, another very disappointing film. Um, the last film we all went to see. It ended the day with Ben Wheatley's newest one. Obviously, after Kill List, his first can entry called Sightseers. Our main meal has just arrived. I think we should pause, eat food, reflect on Sightseers, then we'll come back and um. We'll tell you what we all thought of of sightseers. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we've just finished our main meals. We've ordered our dessert, and you're a bit pissed. Um, and sightseers. Um, ben Wheatley's third film. It's been reviewed. It's been hailed as a comedy masterpiece. One of the best films of the festival. Do we concur? James, tell us what Sightseers is and tell us what you think. Alright, so Sightseers is a Bonnie and Clyde love story about 
too British. What mix with those? Uh, mi- mixed with a little bit of Brain Dead. Have you seen Peter Jackson's That's Brain Dead? Brain. If you've seen Peter, Bra- Peter Jackson's Peter Braxton, Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, it's basically that plus Bonnie and Clyde set on a caravan site. I'm not going to lie, it's not for everyone, but I'm, I, I get the feeling we're going to hear a few like conflicts and opinions coming out of the table in a minute because I already know in advance. But I have to say, I watched it. The first, I was expecting big things. I'd heard Ben Wheatley's name. I've heard of Kill List. I haven't actually seen it, but I've heard it's supposed to be tense, amazing, and incredible. I walked into that cinema thinking I was going to watch the most thrilling, taut, tense piece of British cinema in the history of cinema. But what I got was basically... It was basically like an episode of Spaced, an episode of Spaced set in a caravan site with people getting murdered in really, really graphic fashion. And for the first sort of 30 minutes, I I had no clue what I was watching. But at some point, I thought, you know what? People are laughing at this. I'm going to go with it. It's a kind of sick, twisted, dark comedy about our deep inhibitions thank you very much our deepest inhibitions which somebody does something that really pisses us off like throws rubbish on the floor or someone comes up and they tell us to you know respect and pick up our, our dog's poo off the floor we don't have a poop scooper that sort of thing deep in our hearts we might want to murder them in this film the characters actually do and it, if you're willing it's trashy it's junky it's amateurish the cinematography is all over the place. The tones all over the place. The characters are ridiculous. But if you're willing to sit there with a six-pack and a pizza and a load of friends, it might just be the fucking best thing you've ever seen in your life. And basically, that's it in a nutshell. Fucking sights is. Just got to thinking with uh, talking about Matthew McConaughey earlier and talking about six packs to get his, to get his top off. By the way, Matthew McConaughey does get his top off in mud. In case anyone was wondering, stop the press. <laughs> But um, sightseers, I didn't go in with a lot of a lot of. Um, I went in with hope rather than expectation, and um, unfortunately, I was. It, yeah, I. It was. It was really, really bad. It was. It was. It was amateurish, bordering on the incompetent. Really, I just felt the whole, the whole, the whole tone was off. The whole script, the script was written by the two leads. It felt like it was kind of it was dreamed up in their two bedrooms together, and they just kind of made, you know, basically making themselves laugh. Um, the whole the whole kind of narrative driving forward didn't make any sense in the in the, in the sense that the, the main kind of character, who was a, um, a serial killer, at first he was he was kind of railing against people breaking society's rules, for example, dropping litter on the floor. Then it kind of completely inverted that by the fact he was he was defending someone's uh, right to let a dog um, feast, you know, put the feces on the floor and not clean it up it, it didn't make any sense whatsoever the, 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 the comedy was was weak at best it was kind of, you know, scatological you know, 12 year old humour it wasn't funny it wasn't, you know, there's a couple of nice shots in it but you know, if you've got, if you've got kind of mist rising from the you know, uh, kind of Yorkshire Dales or the kind of Lake Districts. It's going to look beautiful, but generally speaking, it, it, it looked like TV. It was written like TV, bad TV. Um, I was pretty embarrassed throughout the whole thing. It was, it was, it was under 90 minutes, 
that was the only kind of saving grace. It, it, it didn't last very long, but it was no, sex for you, Damon. Yeah, exactly. It was um, it it was really really poor. I can't. I was pretty just. I was, you know, squirming in my seat throughout the whole thing. It was the the, the audience who we watched it with on the, on the premiere seemed to actually love it, but um, it's it's kind of quite baffling because it's, I can't think of anything good to say about it. Okay, my biggest issue, right? The, there was a lot of issues with it, um, and a lot of people hated it. But my my big, well, not biggest issue, but one of my issues with it was the fact that the the opening sequence. I mean, straight away, obviously, you learn they're they're brummies. Okay, now I'm from I'm not from Birmingham. I'm from near Birmingham, and what I felt that they tried to do was capture a sort of Birmingham stroke black country humour, and they failed miserably. And that was one of the things that annoyed me about it the most. Because when you're from an area and someone's clearly tried, I don't know whether they've gone and gone to that area and listened to people talk or whatever, but it felt like they were just virgin on trying to get it and just, just failed really badly. So that was, one, firstly, one of my things about it. Darren's looking really confused, but that was one of my issues with it. I don't know, maybe they didn't, but that's what I felt like. They were trying to sort of capture a sort of Birmingham humour. and it well, just clearly are from there. Yeah, I don't think they are. I don't think they're Birmingham actors at all. Do you reckon they were? Guaranteed. I think their accents were awful. He's from Leicester. Okay, that's fairly close. Yeah. Leicester's fairly close. Either way, I felt like I just felt... Well, then maybe it was just the fact that the humour was bad. Yeah, it was just Generally, shit. yeah, maybe. But, um... Yeah. My other big issue with it was actually not with the film, just with the idiots in the audience that thought it was funny. I mean, seriously, why do people laugh so much? It was fucking terrible. And that's all I've got to say in the matter, Darren. I mean, this podcast descended into absolute <laughs> lunacy, hasn't it? This is, a, <laughs> this is the last time like we do one. We should just do the podcast in one straight. We've done this over a meal, over a five-course meal, and I think people have been drunk, drinking too much. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, Sightseas is a very, 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 very terrible film on every single aspect. Um... Again, we, we talk about it a lot, but the, the writing is a big, big, big issue in this. I mean, like Damien said, this, it doesn't make and there's no logic to it. There's no sort of drama to it. And I mean, the thing is, I mean, obviously after Kill List, you expect this film to be this build-up of this sort of anger and tension between this man who is going to end up going on this killing spree. But no, he kills someone within the first few minutes, and the whole film is dem- and it's like a sketch show comedy. They'll meet a group, of, meet a new person, and you know they're going to end up killing them off because they're a yuppie or because they're being aggressive or because and it doesn't make any sense and the characters constantly do things that don't ring true you know like getting off of that bridesmaid like he wouldn't do it and that's when she ends up killing it's just it is literally like I imagine them kind of going on it's, it looks nasty I, it feels like they went off of a really crap camera go off into some pretty rural locations and then just thought what's funny and got seven situations okay we'll get this we'll get a bunch of hippies we'll get someone throwing uh, we're gonna get someone kind of going on about sort of you know kind of heritage location you know find kind of irritating people and we're gonna bump them off and that is it that is the con it, it none of it works absolutely none of it works in any way shape or form and yeah and the fact this is getting rave reviews is absolutely staggering upon you know it's it's yeah, unbelievable, and, and you know, kind of James component to Brain Dead. I wish this had an ounce of Brain Dead. If at the end he had the lawnmower, 
going through everybody he came across. I'd have loved it, but no, 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 no. I think, I think, I think, you know, I, I intended during this pod, podcast to play devil's advocate here, but I'm increasingly being swayed by the opinions that I'm hearing. It well, like ultimately. It was pants. Like, you know, you can argue it left, right and centre, but it is ultimately amateurish. It's adolescent humour. You know, there are a few reasonable gags, but it's poor. But I think the reason it's getting rave reviews is if you compare what's presented in Sightseers to the rest of the self-indulgent, potential pretentious, navel-gazing sort of arty trash that's basically completely flooded the whole festival, this is a very... It can be seen as a refreshing counterpoint. Can I just say in that it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter that the whole is pretentious, rubbish, navel-gazing. That does not matter. The fact is, this is still shit. Whether it's trying to be comedy or not, it's still rubbish. Yeah, I, I think but he's got a point. You know, it's like... what. Well, Maybe he has got a point because you know we were saying it like obviously me and Dan we did a podcast earlier in the week in earlier in the festival and we watched Moonrise Kingdom and we watched Rust and Bone and we kind of were saying these are really disappointing films they're not very good but we have admitted that since as the festival's gone on actually if we saw them now we would be much more open to them because yeah, you need Sightseas is bad but I can you know it's like it's like ultimately James let himself go he tapped into the humour and went you know what I'm going to go with this and he end yeah it's, it's awful but he, he kind of enjoyed his 85 minutes or whatever and it's like you know Can what we just say that James was sat next to one of the actors though so um, you know I was pressure to enjoy it yeah oh I, wa- I was invited for a drink afterwards with the leading star and I got scared and ran away I <laughs> <laughs> got starstruck but um but yeah, he won the Palm Dog. It's just been, an, yeah, it just won the Palm Dog. The dog is probably the best thing in it, actually. Um, but yeah, so um, this uh, podcast uh, sort of descended into um, anarchy. Um, we're going to go, keep drinking, and we'll do another podcast tomorrow. On a hangover. And we've seen a lot of films. And yeah, okay, bye. See you later. Bye. bye.